Welcome. Welcome, lovely listeners, to another episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your resurrected host, Mike Turner. And joining me in our studios in deep southern Illinois is a man, another American who is expecting a move to Europe to a special podcast league. It's producer Mason. How are you this week, Mason? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to Albania, <laughs> where I'm going to be called a slug person by many Turks. It's a good place for you. That's where you should be. Just you'll 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 get to your level. That's what they always say, right? Mason out here going to the EPL. Mason going to the EPL, <laughs> the your the English podcasting league. I thought it was Estonian podcasting league. <laughs> podcasting invented in <laughs> Albania. You are all dog people. <laughs> Enough of that, you. And also joining us from his uh, special. Studio Cave, somewhere in the wilds of uh, West St. Louis County, is a man who won the podcasting Comeback Player of the Year for reasons as indecipherable as Gonzalo Higuain won the MLS award. It's Sean Campbell. How are you this week, Sean? I'm doing just fantastic. I had a nice relaxing Halloween at home, and now I'm ready to do some post-spooky content for soccer. Let's go. That's frightening. And also joining us, you know him, you love him, a man who knows how to drum his way into your hearts, it's Chris Zimmerman. And how are you this week, Chris? I'm doing good. I got a fun little uh, addition to my shelf over the weekend that I think captures my essence better than any other piece of clothing, furniture, or other that I own. Yes, Chris and myself uh, won fabulous prizes. Prizes, not fabulous. Little trophies from uh, the uh, St. Luligans meet and greet and Halloween party because, uh, well, Chris was a full kit wanker and I was a wheel card. Supposed to be wild card, but it was misspelled on the trophy. And I love that, actually. I just think that's so perfect. But uh, we had a lot of fun at that. Uh, everyone that's listening was there. Happy to see you. Those that weren't, sorry we didn't see you. Uh, maybe we will. Coming up soon. And more of that a little later in the show. Got a little different format for you this week. We do have some St. Louis City SE news to give you. But uh, first of all, as we approach the expansion draft and uh, roster building for St. Louis City SC, uh, it's time to start digging into those, well, <laughs> undecipherable MLS roster rules. And instead of doing one big show, we thought we'd break it up into little bits that are more easily digestible and make your head hurt a little less. Define easily so. digestible. I was going to say, define little. <laughs> uh, by little, I mean huge, and easily digestible, I mean crippling stomach pain and agony. But they're in little bits, you know, like a rotten caviar on a cracker. <laughs> yeah. We... <laughs> That does not like sound the... like something we're... Tr this, it sounds like you're trying to tell our, our listeners to stop listening to the podcast, Mike. That's the exact opposite of what we want them to do. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Malort of Podcasts, the Soccer Capital Podcast. <laughs> yes! <laughs> oh, man. Guilty as charged. <laughs> yeah, it, this is like the Chernobyl liquidators. You can only be exposed to the MLS roster rules for about 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, the the half-life will get to you. Uh, but we're going to dig right in. And as we get into 
you know, the expansion draft, the signees they already have had, uh, a lot of the other things. We want to take a look at, you know, what the heck does all this mean? And uh, the most, I guess the biggest barrier there is to getting into MLS is trying to figure out what the hell allocation money is and what does it mean. It's important to give a little bit of uh, background on this is uh, when the U.S. got the 1994 World Cup, they were one of the prerequisites of that is the U.S. must start up its own uh, first division professional league to get the World Cup in 94. There had been a first division league called the NASL back when I was a kid, and it had flamed out in a problem with uh, spending, uh, not having caps on it, not being able to revenue share amongst the teams. The Cosmos got from New York got all the money. Everybody else was left adrift, and it just disintegrated when I was a kid in a rather traumatic fashion that left scars on the landscape. And after that, there just wasn't a first division league um, in the U.S., pretty much left with just indoor soccer, and that was it. Uh, there really wasn't soccer on the landscape. The U.S. had just made the 1990 World Cup with a bunch of college players that were shocked the world by even getting there. And um, 94 was going to be a big deal in the U.S. And it was. It was a big deal. It changed the whole landscape of soccer in the U.S. at that time. But it didn't happen really overnight. It took some building. And uh, MLS wanted to start up this league. Uh, but there was a very hard to find investors. There was no idea if there'd be any fans for the league. Uh, so they decided, after looking at many different ways to do it, they decided the way, best way to get it and get any ownership they could, which ended up being, at times, a very small amount of uh, owners, uh, was to become single entity, have a salary cap, control spending, limit growth of the league. Uh, and, uh, you know, 25 years later, you can laugh, you can joke about it, but they're still around, which is for soccer in America, and especially somebody that's been through all of these iterations, is pretty amazing. One thing I will tell you is uh, the other podcast, Flyover Footy, uh, did put together a very comprehensive one podcast going over all of these rules. And if you really want to dig deep, we'll go into that. This one will be I'll try to touch a little lightly on these, but they're so in-depth, it's kind of hard to dance around on some of this stuff. Um, but the first thing, say, you're Lutz Steel. You come in, you've got to build a team from scratch with nobody on the roster. How are you going to do it? And the first thing you need to know is how much money do you have to spend? Well, basically, there is a salary cap in MLS. It's uh, referred to in the rules as a salary budget charge, but for the ease of conversation, we're going to call it salary cap here. And for 2023, that is set at $5.21 million for the entire roster, but not really the entire roster. It only applies to uh, senior roster slots, which are basically 20 players is what you're allowed. You can have only 18, but no less than that. Uh, to control, to fit in under that salary cap. Uh, the maximum salary 
in 2023 that a player can earn is $657,250. A nice round figure that's easy to remember. Um, Luckily, the league in its infinite wisdom has uh, slapped on some band-aids to help uh, give teams various mechanisms to buy down higher salaries to fit under a salary cap. You know, they could have raised the salary cap, but there are thoughts that there are certain owners in the league that really don't want that to happen. Well, yeah, for them, it's easier for them to just add another bucket to to stop the leaking than to, you know, go up and just put a new roof above the current roof and take the old roof away. Right. While still keeping the floor as low as possible so they don't have to, you know, spend any of the billions they have in the bank for most of these owners. But with those mechanisms, they come into what we call allocation money, split up um, into TAM and GAM. Now, you ask, how are designated players out there, and how are some of these guys having higher salaries than $657,250? Well, it's because they have ways to buy them down using the allocation money. You can use up to uh, targeted allocation money, known as TAM. You can use up to a million dollars to lower a player's contract below that threshold. GAM can also be used, but in more limited circumstances. You can also sign homegrown players. Uh, Generation Adidas uh, players picked in the Super Draft. Uh, Designated players uh, only hit that salary cap. You can pay them a lot more. You're limited to only three as a maximum. Uh, Amongst that three, there's also a designation of young designated players. And then there's the Under-22 initiative, also known as Young Money, Uh, That can be used to lessen a hit for the bigger players that you sign to develop and then sell on as MLS became a selling league. We will talk about these designations in a later podcast. They're not important now, but these are ways that you can, you know, try to fit 18 players that are competitive under that salary cap of just over five million dollars, five million dollars. Now, outside of the salary cap, there is a way to add players to your roster as well. And that has to be the supplemental roster, which really takes up slots 21 to 30 that make up the full roster of an MLS team. Slots 21 to 24 are considered senior minimum salary players. Um... So they're generally, they must be paid the league minimum for senior players, which is $84,000. That was in 2022. I could not find updated information yet for 2023. Um, These type of players could include homegrown players, which are ones that you developed in your own academy. Generation Adidas players, which come through the Super Draft, which is upcoming and very important. Very important for a team like St. Louis City SC. These are players that are determined by MLS to be players that will absolutely be picked and have a future in the game, they believe. So they sign to MLS ahead of time, and whoever drafts them takes on their salaries, but take a uh, but at a lower cost against the salary cap. We'll probably have more to talk about uh, next week after the... Uh, expansion draft on this show uh you know any mls super draft players will fall in this because you don't 
usually anybody that's coming out of college doesn't demand a much higher fee. And uh, also with the homegrown players that you develop in your academy, if one of them happens to be extremely good, you want to sign them from keeping them coming to Europe. Um, they can make uh, money, and you can use uh, tar TAM, targeted allocation money, up to $200,000 to buy down their salaries to fit it down during their first MLS contract. So those are the better players you'd have on your supplemental roster. Easy to understand, right? And I'll give you all a moment to, to catch up on your notes. Yeah. No, is this going to be on the test? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it will be when they start to build the roster. It might come up. Uh, my big question test. is, is it uh, when we get to actual number figures, is that going to be multiple choice or am I going to have to memorize these numbers? <laughs> uh, there will be no test. <laughs> I I do enough math at work. I'll wear the dunce cap proudly. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, it's as clear as mud, I tell you. But I do have kind of a grasp on this uh, as much as a layman possibly can. Um, now, there's other slots that are restricted into the, the roster, and those would be players 25 through 28. These are called reserve minimum salary. So they're not senior players, but they're on the reserve team. In 2022, their minimum was $65,500. It's the minimum they must be paid. Uh, homegrown players can be bought down with TAM. Uh, you can also use that TAM subsidy to get them into this level. Players on this slots, 25 to 28, need to be 24 years or younger during the league year. So when the league plays, whenever they have a birthday, that's their age in the league year. And uh, that's one way to keep it down and fill out a roster. And then slots 28 through 30, still at that 65-5 uh, threshold. But these are only for homegrowns, only the people that you bring up through your academy. And uh, the limits on what is a homegrown player, they must have been the club's youth academy for at least one year with some restrictions on how much they played, train. And there's no limit to how many you can sign. So when it comes to the... 24 or younger during the league year. So mm -hmm. um, to age myself here, I turned 25 back in June. Would I theoretically, if I was playing right now, be eligible for one of these reserve minimum salary spots or not? No, you would not because you turned 25 during the year. Yeah, it's so it's the age that you are at the end of the season then. Basically. In the season. Okay, yeah. so the opposite of like Little League rules. Yeah, pretty much. All right. And I and hear all your jokes out there, listeners. Before we get <laughs> too funny. far off of that, uh, I believe that then these slots, number 25 to 30, uh, I would assume they're not going to see a ton of time on the first team actually on the pitch. These are probably guys that are going to be, you know, rotating back and forth with some of the guys on City 2, more than likely. Because we have to have a certain number of pro players, quote unquote, on a pro contract on the field in for City 2 at any given time. Mostly, you know, you could have a young player that uh, didn't have a lot of, you know, hype coming up that breaks out at one of these ages, but you got them signed early on 
before the breakout, you could still be paying the minimum while they're younger. Uh, and they could play at least a, a bench role that's important to you. There are players out there in the league like this. And uh, you think about 65500 being awfully low for a professional player in the early days of MLS. That minimum might have been as little as like $12,000, uh, which would uh, not been unheard of for American soccer player in the early 90s. Uh, it's come a long way, to be honest. Yeah. I remember back in high school, someone who was older than me but um, had graduated from the same school as me, wound up in the MLS on one of those like minimum contracts. And um, the basically like one of my teachers kind of thought about it and said, I make about twice as much as they do as a public school teacher compared to someone playing, making league minimum MLS money back circa 2012 or so. And that's 2012. You go back in the 90s. These guys were basically sleeping on people's couches the entire season as a professional soccer player yeah. is what it came down to. Back back then, league minimum was barely minimum wage. Now, $65,000 is a lot more money than I've ever made, but it's not a ton of money. No, but, uh, you know, it's a lot better than it used to be. And, and uh, given the Apple TV deal, there's more revenue coming in. It'll start inching up. Uh, especially as teams in the, the league start selling off players to Europe, which is happening more and more, especially here, just in the last couple of years. It's really accelerated. More cash coming into the league, these things could raise. But they're always going to be at the bottom with the minimum because you'll always have certain owners in certain cities that are going to want to to spend that minimum as much as they can. And also, if you're a team that has big spending, you sign a lot of players that salary cap's pretty low. You're going to need to fill a roster full of these guys to make it all fit as well. So keep that in mind. Uh, and see what direction St. Louis City actually goes uh, with spending and building their roster. It sounds like they're going to go young. And with that, young and hungry players. And that usually leads to lower salaries as a rule. Not necessarily with the ones they've already signed, per se. But uh, that's kind of how it sets up. So we talked about buying contracts down with TAM and GAM and the allocation money and what that does to the salary cap. Well, here comes the fun part, folks. We get to talk about the allocation money. And quite honestly, it is, it's hard to wrap your head around, but it is split up and it's not quite as alien as the way it sounds. Uh, There's a lot of like means testing and caveats to it, but it is essentially the league subsidizing a team's roster. Yeah, it's a it's a mechanism to allow more spending by owners who want to spend more cash to make a better roster. Um, and generally, you can think of it; it's expressed in the term of dollar amounts. Uh, but really, it's just a, a, an accounting trick, so to speak, expressed in dollars. To allow you to build a roster better. Uh, it's confusing as heck. Should be abolished. It really did help grow the league when it came in. And uh, it comes in two flavors. Let's say. Uh, there's general allocation money. GAM. And then targeted allocation money. Uh, 
targeted allocation money is slowly being taken out of this mix, hopefully adding to more and more general allocation money uh, to work with as this goes. And you might be asking yourself, why not just increase the salary cap and not have this? Well, <laughs> who knows? Um, they'd have to rework everything, and then you've got to get a certain vote of owners to do that. So nobody's just taken on the task of trying to rewrite these rules. Yeah, it's definitely uh, it definitely seems like some owners are happy uh, not spending their own money and instead taking these garber bucks, as I've come to not so affectionately call them. It's the league monopoly money, basically, that Don Garber says, here you go, here's some money that I collected from another from all the teams, and I get to decide who gets it. But it doesn't mean anything in the long run to your bottom line because it's not real money anymore. It's real to the player that gets paid it, but it's not r actually real money. It's, it's, it's monopoly money. It's Garber bucks. Yeah, I mean, Garber bucks are... Slightly more real than the money we make from this podcast, but not a whole lot. Wait, you guys are making uh, money off of this podcast? <laughs> That's the joke. I'm making Garber bucks, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get paid two I be paid two Garber bucks per episode, so after about five hundred years I'll be able to sign one league minimum salary player. <laughs> uh, I've equated it to uh, podcasting money is equivalent to the cash value of your store coupon. One twentieth of a cent <laughs> yeah. cash value. Uh, Chris is pulling himself up by his bootstraps, I see. <laughs> but so I'm thinking, though, is that so um, the whole designated player rule is called the Beckham rule because we had to bend the rules really, really hard to get David Beckham to come. Mm -hmm. And in the past few months, there are two very, very famous players in Europe right now that there have been. One of them, at different points of time, have been rumored to be coming to the MLS this season. So I'm wondering if, much like the Beckham rule, the, um, let's just call them the Chessie and Finaldo rules. <laughs> uh, you know, will one, of, will one of those rules, like, be enough of a kick in the pants to the MLS to maybe overhaul this whole system? No. It, it will be pl it okay, will be well, dropped right on top because that's how every other rule like this got in place in the to begin with was it was just dropped on top. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, allocation disorder follows all this stuff so closely with Sam Stashko and Paul Tenorio, and they've asked around with their access as being MLS reporters, and they found that there is absolutely no interest in rewriting these rules at this time in MLS. Well, yeah, I, mean, because... I know that the MLS rule book looks like one of those group projects that everyone's able to edit, but like, I guess that's actually how it gets there. Yeah. But also the thing to keep in mind, while it has no actual cash value within the sphere of MLS, its own insular little community, GAM is very important and it's worth a lot more than just the face value of it. And we maybe we'll find out a little more as we go along. So we come to the first one of the allocations, the GAM, general allocation money. In 2023, under the collective bargaining agreement, it's set at $1.9 Expansion clubs do get more. Good news for City uh, SE as they get ready to start building the club. The amount is not known, but believed to be roughly about $2 million. Clubs can also get more allocation money 
for various reasons, and one is the failure to qualify for MLS Cup playoffs. Enforce parity right there. Uh, the other way, you can convert transfer fees for a player sold outside of MLS, and a team can convert up to 1.1, let's say roughly, $1.1 million to GAM. Telling you that GAM is more important uh, than cash in MLS. Is that per transfer, or is that total per th- for the year? I believe it is per transfer. And also, the actual number is much odder than just 1.1. It's $1,102,500, which is a perfectly normal, insane amount of money. Now, I'll give you all a chance to resharpen your pencils. Are all of these weird, like, hyper-specific dollar amounts um, due to, like, you know, we... Because, you know, most of um, European transfers are are calculated in euros. So, was this some sort of... um, you know, exchange rate calculation, or is this just someone, you know, being really, really nickel and dimey about these values? Um, from what I, from what I can understand, it's a lot of this because this isn't just in soccer. This is also you don't see as weird of numbers. They usually round up for sake of argument in the other sports, but like pro sports across the United States. You'll see some odd numbers for a little while and they'll constantly change and be a little bit more odd or sometimes they'll get more normal. I think that has more to do with the way collective bargaining agreements increase, uh, you know, caps, floors and Uh yearly salaries over from year to year because it's by a percentage. So it takes a percentage and then of a weird number that'll give you either a weirder number or a more normal looking number. And that could change wildly year to year. And the other thing to keep in mind that the MLS is a single entity. So players are actually signed to MLS. The The owners is a term. They're more a franchisee of MLS. So they come to these numbers by dividing down by the number of teams, depending upon the revenue expected to be drawn by the league as a whole is how you get it. And uh, like that figure, the let's say 1.1 million to transfer that's a 2022 it could increase in 2023 we just uh, don't have those numbers made public as of yet another way to get more money and this one actually is an incentive to do better is qualification for ccl champions league increases the amount of uh gam and uh I believe that they've added this in to allow teams to build deeper rosters to compete in ccl and to compete in MLS as well. But as we saw again with the Seattle Sounders this season, as always happens to deep runs, teams that do make a deep run early in the season in CCL generally fall off in MLS because they're just not that deep. Um, Now, if a club loses a player in the expansion draft, like five clubs will upcoming, uh, they get compensation in the form of GAM. That makes sense. Uh, There's payout to owners who choose not to pay for a third DP as there's a fee to the league if you want to have a third one. And then that money is distributed among the owners that chose not to. Sheesh. That's so stupid. (laughs) But it's your rule. (laughs) Yeah, but these come out of committee amongst the owners, not the soccer people, just the... Some owner, like, raised their hand and said, hey, if I'm really cheap, do I get a bonus? 
Well, there and is. Someone said, eh, okay. There is a certain ownership group that I don't believe they have but one DP right now and could really use to spend it. And it would be in Colorado owned by the Cronky family. But that's for mm. another show at another time. It's, it, you um, know, we're St. Louis. We're always allowed to hate on Cronky. <laughs> he can't run a team to he? save his life. He can't <laughs> run a team to save his life. Saying it right now. Why would Cronky do this? I can't believe it. Oh, no. He's learned the dirty little secret to success in sports. It's not to win. Winning costs you money. It's uh, occasionally having something come out of somewhere and you make more money. That's true in all North American sports. But we digress. Um, Now, this is an important thing about GAM. It's tradable. TAM is not. Uh, GAM, you can pick up during trades or spend it during trades to pick up players uh, we'll talk later in another show about allocation rankings. You can trade those. Important thing for St. Louis City SC is you can trade GAM for more international roster spots or vice versa. Uh, you can trade super draft positions. And um, now the trades like this can be only be done during official transfer windows. Uh, we'll get to those a little later. Now, general allocation money is allowed to be used on more things than, say, TAM, which is targeted allocation money. Funny how they use those words like that. Um, (laughs) You can use GAM to buy down a player's salary budget charge, again, known as a salary cap hit. GAM cannot be used to reduce a player's salary by more than 50%. TAM is different that way. It can be used to sign players new to MLS, which is defined as those who didn't play in MLS last year, you know, like many city signees. Keep that in mind. You can use it to re-sign existing MLS players. You can offset acquisition costs of a player, including loans and transfer fees. You can extend a player's contract to a second year if the player was new to MLS the season prior. A little convoluted, but there's a way of attracting and then keeping outside talent in the league. And uh, you can, uh, it can also be used to reduce the salary cap hit of a designated player from the maximum salary charge of 651250 down to a limit at $150,000. So that's one way you can get around having uh, three designated players. Yeah, that one about extending a player's contract for a second year only if the player was signed for one season, that has the stink of like a rule in the rule books that says like you cannot tie a giraffe to a lamppost, which is like it came up once and someone was like, well, why don't we have a mechanism for it? And really has not really come up since. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if I have any examples of that come to mind, to be honest. But I think a lot of theoretical situations but whether they've actually come up or not is a different question uh it could be used by uh certain technical directors to go ahead and sign a player for extended years but we're going to sign you to one year contract and then the second year we can use allocation money to keep you uh such if la wants to use these rules that's for sure (laughs) yeah if la wants to use all of their gam for a whole zero goals they can re-sign gareth bale for another year Mm mm-hmm yeah, that was that was my like theoretical example that came to mind. I'm I I'm more intrigued by um 
reducing the cap hit of a DP further from, uh, you know, by, you know, you say you've signed, um, let's say an, an Italian player, um, by the name of insignificant, um, and you know, he, he, you, you pay $15 million for him. That's his contract, but only 650,000 of that hits the cap. Why would you need to buy that down even further to, to 150? That's what I'm so not. You, why, why is that a thing? So that you can then, instead of just being so top heavy, you can then use it to build a, another roster. But oh, you start buying down these DPs. You do it because it frees up $500,000 in cap space. To then but spend then on a lower your... roster spot, but you can get a better quality player for said lower, quote-unquote, lower roster spot. Okay, that yeah, makes sense. Now, I don't do know it why. That way. I don't know why I missed that. <laughs> but that you might not... make it more top-heavy then because then you're essentially trading, you know, one um, very good past his prime defender for about like nine league minimum players. That's pretty much it. And then you've used up your gam to, uh, for player acquisition and trades amongst the, it, it, you know, within the league, uh, used for down, you know, buying down other salaries. Uh, you have to keep that in and certain teams are pretty well balanced. There are teams out there that are extremely top heavy and they generally, uh, collect at the bottom of the league in a little pool. This also specifically uh, influences their cap hit, right? It doesn't actually affect how much the club is paying for their salary, but it would reduce their cap hit by about yeah. 500000 Yeah, if the owner wants to go ahead and spend that much money on a player, they're free to if they've got the designated player spot. And that to, to spend this money, Toronto had to trade off a former league MVP for very little in GAM to Miami that made Miami a playoff, and that's Pozuelo. So that's an ex- a perfect example of doing that. So it sounds like this entire thing is, is li- like if, if every other no- North American sport is playing 3D Seesaw, this is playing 8D Seesaw. Got it. Okay. I finally yep, fully understand how the allocation system in MLS works. I get it. But you don't have teams folding because they've gone broke like you do have in England and uh, other places in Europe. So that's the trade-off. But uh, let's move on. We got plenty of time throughout the years to discuss the wonders of allocation money. But let's give an overview here and we move on to targeted allocation money. In 2023, this is in the collective bargaining um, agreement, the amount of targeted allocation money will be $2 million. Seven hundred and twenty thousand, uh, dollars in twenty twenty three. Tam is not tradable. Basically, telling the owners, use it on players, you cheap skates. <laughs> uh, how can you use Tam? Well, it's been it, the league changed when they brought in Tam. Uh, maybe its days have passed by, but it really did help the league grow more in depth in the roster. You can use it to sign a new player or resign an existing player as long as the player is making more than the max salary cap of 651250 So you can overplay that, pay a player on your team without using a designated player spot 
by using TAM to buy them down. These are specifically the players that we refer to when we're talking about TAM targets, right? Yes. Uh, mostly. Yes, exactly. Like and, how, and how them... LAFC managed to get Chiellini and Bale. They were TAM targets. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing to keep in mind when we talk about salary in MLS, it includes salary and the acquisition costs. So if there's a transfer fee, that gets uh, prorated in. Which that's baffling to me. But that's to keep teams from spending untold amounts to bring on one player and then they can't upkeep their stadium and do it. That's This is the fallout of what happened in the NASL back in the uh, 80s. Clubs can... <laughs> But it's North America. If the if if they don't keep up the stadium, they're just going to threaten the city that they're going to move unless the, unless the taxpayers build them a new one. But there's very little of that in MLS because soccer still isn't ingrained in the culture. St. Louis City, you hear people say all the time, "My tax dollars went to that," and they have to be educated that no, none of it did. Uh, maybe they're remembering the old vote that got voted down for using some public money in this. But for the most part, when public money goes into an MLS stadium, it's a dual use with the NFL. And we got a team that actually cares about the community and not the Rams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gonna throw that out there. Well, and also that uh, that, that tax increase did pass, but uh, the amendment for it to go to the stadium did not so instead the tax increase is supposed to go to metrolink which is a good thing does that mean i could finally just hop a train yeah, that... from down manchester road instead of having to hop a bus to a train to get downtown and that'd be great yeah, this is a this is a you should not have this conversation around me i'll go on for an hour <laughs> you engineers and your ilk let's continue talking about money instead because that's yeah, much things... less polarizing. <laughs> yeah. Let's get away from engineers and let's go more with all this lawyer talk that we're doing. Uh, <laughs> clubs can use up to $200,000 to sign new homegrowns to their first MLS contract. And that's important because then you don't take the salary cap hit and you keep them from moving outside of the league, maybe stay in MLS, uh, longer and build up that way so it's good for the league in that regard clubs can use up to a million dollars in tam to buy down you know a, a player's cap hit down to six hundred fifty one thousand two hundred and fifty. that's what we call max tam on that and uh it can also be used if you've got a designated player that you signed that's under the 1,651,200. You can use the TAM and free up their DP slot, though you have to fill that DP slot immediately with a new DP or a U22 initiative player. That's what Toronto did in moving on Pozuelo to bring in Bernadeschi and Insigne. Uh, the other thing about TAM is GAM, it's tradable. You can build up a, a lot of it, but TAM only lasts through four transfer windows. So cheapskate owners can't build up a fortune in TAM. Uh, that way they need to use it on their teams now. So that translates to how many years? Two. Two, roughly, yes. Two. Okay. So you got your primary, which is the summertime. And then the uh, second, uh, no, the primary in MLS is the wintertime. The secondary's in the in the summer yeah. while the league's going on. Around the opposite of the rest of the world. Pretty much. Uh not all of the world, but most of it. TAM yeah. cannot be used to buy down a player 
below a salary cap hit of 150000 So that's the limit. You're going to be charged 150000 uh, no matter what. And the big thing to keep in mind is in 2023, the maximum TAM buy-down for a salary is 1651250 which is how Roman Berkey is not a designated player. He didn't have a transfer fee. They're paying him a lot of money. They're going to buy that down and use a million dollars of their TAM um, on that to get him to the maximum you know, salary cap for a player. Now, another thing to keep in mind is MLS does state in the roster rules that the amount of allocation monies any team holds will not be publicly available to protect the interests of MLS in its clubs, in discussion with players, or clubs in other leagues. So that's kept on the down low. The only exception to this is in the case of trades, the amount of GAM will be released to the public. So that's how we know how much, you know, the million that uh, Walker Zimmerman got when he was uh, was traded for by Nashville to LAFC or the amount that uh, Dallas paid to D.C. United for Paul Areola this last season, which was three million. It's always cool and normal when this dark money is is just completely kept from public view. I think I think that's good and normal. Well, it's yeah, it's also. You know, if it was made public, it would be like the cash reserves of a team aren't necessarily ever made public in any league on that. It's just to protect the interests of uh, the MLS clubs and the league itself, since it's a single entity, uh, from being used as leverage uh, by players or clubs on the transfer fees. It's not uncommon. It's it's really what you would see in a cash balance sheet for a club. Um and and selling the club too it's a, a way to protect owners it's that's what it is i mean it is america <laughs> so that's what we've got i can go over quickly the salary budget information important numbers to know salary caps 5.21 million uh player salary cap 651,250 Senior players eighty four thousand in twenty twenty two. Reserve players sixty five five. That's thousands, of course, in twenty twenty two. And uh, really, the maximum salary to buy down by TAM is one point six five one, and sundry <laughs> million dollars. Uh, so those are your important numbers to know on this. And. Uh, I need to take a deep breath. I'll give you all time to keep up on your notes. Uh, <laughs> these numbers will be bandered around a bit, especially with the Waster build. It's important to try to at least have some idea what's going on. And uh, I think that's enough of roster rule talk for today. Anyone have any other comments or something to say? It did, in fact, make my brain as perfectly spherical as a bowling ball, so... There's still three divots, which means you still have spots for thinking. Mine is about as smooth <laughs> as marble at the moment. Um, it has rolled around in my brain enough that uh, uh, um, city news. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> Ta- talking about the allocation money in MLS has, in fact, triple trepanned me. That pretty much wraps up roster rule talk this time. We are going to drop in some regarding, uh, you know, those player categories, U22, DP, 
senior roster players, etc. And also talk about the rather confusing ways that an MLS team can acquire players as well. That's a couple of things to have come. But not for today, because we do have some St. Louis City news. They announced a trade for Minnesota United FC 2 star Azeel Jackson. You may remember him. He's the one that ran riot in the big 4-0 win for Minnesota United over City 2 early in the season, fresh off the heels of the U.S. Open Cup loss at Louisville City. Um, he was traded for 150000 in allocation money plus incentive bonuses if Jackson does play a certain amount of MLS games next season and Minnesota does keep a certain sell-on percentage. That was $150,000 in allocation money in a trade. What type of allocation money is that, guys? Um, Garber money. Not the answer um, I'm looking you for. You cannot trade it, so it is uh, general allocation money. We've got a winner. It, it was ding, traded, ding, ding, so ding. it was general allocation money. Yep. You cannot trade Tam, but you can trade Gam. I, I, I answered this question off air, so I was uh, playing judge. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Uh, Jackson is 21 years old. He's a central attacking midfielder, uh, which kind of had him backed up in Minnesota behind Bebe Reynoso, who's pretty doggone good. And uh, that's the reason why he was on a season-long loan to MU. Let me say that again. MNUFC2, which is easier to say, Minnesota United FC2. Anyway. The Toonies. Uh, is it? He does bring with him a salary of $70,633 that he made last season after being acquired from the New York Red Bulls in April of 22. He's 21. Uh, 21, excuse me. Um, he's under a two-year contract with three club option years. So this is possibly a make-or-break season for him to keep up his career. There is questions about his size. He's only five foot seven. And that uh, makes you wonder about his ability to handle the more physical MLS, though he does have some talent and some potential. And Loon's coach, Adrian Heath, did see that potential. But this is important to note. He did have questions about his work rate. And uh, he better fix his work rate if he's going to work under Lutz Ball at St. Louis City SC if he wants to get playing time in the MLS. Supposedly, that's what he's after is... Uh, more playing time at the bigger stage. He wasn't going to get that too much behind Bebe Reynoso. And with a coach like Adrian Heath, he has a chance to get it at City. We'll see how it develops. Yeah. One thing that I do want to say about uh, Azeel Jackson that gives me some hope is that um, Minnesota fans were livid on Twitter mm -hmm. that they got rid of him. So Twitter it, uh, and Reddit <laughs> both. Yeah. When a fan base is that upset about a trade, um, I think that we are probably getting somebody who's pretty good. <laughs> and also we saw we saw him in action and he absolutely eviscerated us. So in that first game, but the city made a point of shutting him down in the second game and the city won that one. And that's not a surprise. Yeah, so that, that first game against Minnesota here at home was easily the most miserable game of this past season. Mm -hmm. Um. And Azil Jackson was a part of that. Not the biggest part, but a big part of that. So glad that we're going to be on the other side of that coin now. I thought he was one of the most impressive players I did see in MLS Next Pro. So excited to have him. Uh, 
Minnesota fans aren't happy to see him leave, but uh, Adrian Heath does not have a history of liking to play the kids. So um, I'm excited about the signing. Salary fits in with the roster build. He's young. He's hungry. That fits in with Lutz Ball. So we'll see where it goes. We also have some other city news upcoming. And to give us a rundown on that is our own Chris Zimmerman. Take it away, Chris. Yes, this has been, uh, to put it lightly, a very, very exciting week in City. Um, a lot of announcements that we had been maybe hearing rumblings of and really hoping were true were officially announced this week. Um, first and foremost, um, after a single um, Post-Dispatch article made certain fans hit the panic button about is this a stadium actually going to be ready for the season after the construction mistake back in September? The answer is yes, because while we are waiting for the proprietary uh, components of the generator room to come in, the temporary solution of outside generators did work officially. Um, and we kind of had a hint of that during our stadium tours because the ribbon boards around the stadium were on when we visited last week. Some and of the lights were officially on. confirmed. Yeah. It was officially confirmed that the backup generator solution worked. Now, don't be so humble about it, Chris. We know it was your electrical tape and four and a half paperclip <laughs> fix that got it done, right? I had to use six and a half. Please don't tell my boss. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're but safe with us. We'll tell no one else. Stealing from work is cool and good, actually. <laughs> if it gets the power back on and uh, we got uh, games upcoming. But yes, the stadium is able to run under full power with their generator solution while we wait on more components. So that means that the other very well-kept secret that Bayer Leverkusen will be coming to St. Louis for a friendly during the World Cup break is official. Um, Bayer's CEO kind of had a slip of the tongue a few months ago, and it was really, we were just basically waiting for the stadium power to work for the confirmation, but stadium power works, so our game is Good to go. It will be the first official match at the newly named stadium, City Park, um, Wednesday, November 16th at 7 p.m. Tickets went on sale this past Thursday. Um, if you're a season ticket holder, see um, ticket sales started at 11. And then if you were not a season ticket holder or a My City Plus member, then tickets went on sale at 2. Um, there was a, some discussion about the way uh, the club went about ticket sales for this game on Twitter. And while the supporter section is officially sold out, the rest of the stadium, there are still tickets to get. So if maybe you don't want to party, but you do want to be at this game, I'd recommend it. Um, this is the first game at the stadium that we're going to be at, staying at for the next however many years. It's going to be a really magical moment. So I think... Um, unofficially official all four of us are going to be there if you haven't bought your tickets yet sorry won't be able to be in the supporters section but there's other tickets around the stadium available i'm not going to tell you what to do but you should come because it, it's going to be a magical night it really yeah. is going to be no matter how bad we, we lose because it is a bundesliga team yeah so be there be square and you know i had kind of a round shape so you know i'll be there <laughs> yeah just remember <laughs> going into this game even though it is a bundesliga side it is during World Cup break. 
So they will have a f- several players probably missing for the World Cup camps. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's very likely. But also, I was looking at the end of the Bundesliga schedule, and it's on the twelfth. So, yeah, like you know, Bayer Leverkusen's going to lose some players to World Cup camps, but they're going to be right in form right at the end of their Bundesliga season. So, and then they're going up against City too. Is gonna be uh, it's gonna be a tough fight for him. Yeah, and I don't think Leverkusen's gonna be missing too many players because, um, fun fact: Germany has never won the World Cup with a Leverkusen player in their squad, <laughs> and I don't believe they have a Leverkusen player on their. I mean, they haven't officially announced their roster, but their most recent call-ups, the most recent friendlies, did not have a single Leverkusen players. There are two Leverkusen players in rotation but i don't think they're going to make the roster for this world cup so um as far as germany is concerned leverkusen is going to be at full strength for this game (laughs) well that's really damning with faint praise now is it (laughs) after having said all that i mean but but the players will be ready to keep in shape during the break if they're not going to the world cup so they'll be out there also the break is four days no yeah uh, also, tailgate info will be forthcoming, and uh, some other news that isn't in our rundown is the silly tailgate van did get an exciting uh, new paint job that we saw at the uh, the full kit wanker and Halloween party for the St. Luligans. Another reason to get your tickets just to see the paint job on the trailer for the silly tailgate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is it, a good keep- paint job. Yeah, keeping and, in line with the uh, the current like the the rebranding that they did with the the city colors and stuff looks really sharp. I was a fan. Yeah. And um, actually, tailgate info isn't really forthcoming. It is mostly set. So um, the tailgate will be at Schlafly. It starts at four p.m. that day. Ooh, um, four. I don't know. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I do not know if they're going to be um, closing off the parking lot and 22nd Street like they had planned for that last game of the season this um, back in September. But the tailgate will be at four. The march, the very short march from Schlafly to the stadium will be at six. We're going to go in through the northwest gate and then the game will start at seven. Okay. Cool. So, and okay. I believe yeah, most, if not all, of the supporters groups will be at that tailgate. Mm. Fantastic. Very cool. I'm excited. And yeah, yeah tent- tentatively, we should all be there. So, when there's some also city news about season ticket holders and a, a little transfer window of their own. Uh, yes, yes. Currently going so, on. So, um,. So to first get your season tickets, you were up. You're able to put down a deposit for up to eight people. So a lot of people um, reserved their season ticket slot, and they've had eight different people on their accounts. But so if you have, let's say you're all married couples with no children, you can have up to four different groups of people on one single season ticket account, which can kind of create a headache. Uh, at the gate if maybe not everyone can make it then how do you transfer the tickets it's a whole lot so the club kind of noticed this 
And they said, okay, so normally we would charge a transfer fee or you would just give up your tickets and you'd have to get back in line. But we're going to give you sort of an amnesty period so that you can free transfer your tickets. So if you are one of those people that you have four different couples on one account, you can split them up evenly. Now, you can only have as little as two people per account if you're two friends that went in on a pair of season tickets. You're stuck together. I'm sorry. Um, but otherwise, you're able to split the counts however many, way, however many ways you want as long as there's at least two tickets for account now. And um, you've probably got an email with this already if you're in that situation. Uh, to be able to do this, you have to have your tickets fully, fully paid for by January 1st of this year. So if you're on a payment plan, make sure you've got that process sped up before you try to split them. Um, I believe I got everything out of that information. I just kind of went off my own memory. I didn't, um, oh yes, important piece of information at the end of this, you only have until November 7th. So if you're listening for this on the day this went out and this is the first you're hearing about it, get it figured out as soon as possible because there's only a limited time before you are solidified. Yeah. Hey, this, this came down pretty recently too, didn't it? Like, yeah, just, uh, this came out. The last few days, I got yeah. the email. Season ticket holders, uh, the members did get uh, the email about this. Got a little other news that I picked up through conversation is that you should be anticipating soon. How soon? Not known. Uh, the kit drop. Mm. Uh, don't have a date. Don't have information on that. And, uh, Little birds have said that, uh, yeah, you want to anticipate this because it's going to be a killer kit. And uh, probably don't expect a Charlotte where it drops a month in advance because somebody at Dick's Sporting Goods opened the box and started <laughs> selling them. Uh, the exact scenario we were describing last Why is it always <laughs> Dick's? <laughs> <laughs> always. Um, yeah, they're going to be holding a tight lid on this because uh, they think it's something special. And they want it to drop, so that's enticing news. Uh, how accurate it is, I don't know, but there, I'll share, share a little something-something that I uh, picked up in casual conversation. Yeah, but also, like, we, we kind of knew that it was going to be, like, soon-soon. Because, like, like, months ago when we talked about the kits, we thought it was like, oh, it's coming soon. Eh, to find soon back then. But then when they were talking about My City Plus, and it's like, oh, yeah, you'll get first access to the kits... Uh, kits must be coming soon, like capital C, capital S, right? So, yeah, yeah. Don't know. I think Don't the team day. has planned this timeline of teasers and announcements out pretty well. So, again, my, my sincere hope is that even if it's not available for the public, the team will be playing in the proper first kits at this first friendly it's probably not, but I really, really want it to be. It it would be nice if they were, because I really don't like the MLS Next Pro kits that they have. Yeah. <laughs> hey, at I'll least they will have a front sponsor on those jerseys, even if they do wear those MLS Next Pro grays. 
That is yeah. true. Hot take, I'd rather see the whites than the grays because I didn't like those grays this past season. I, they aren't yeah, I still think they should mirror looking. the Ultras jerseys and do the checker with the city red and blue, but that's just my opinion. I, and I was honestly going to make a joke that they were going to have to redesign the jerseys because the Luligans got them right. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I'd be Apollo and the Gift of Prophecy. The information I have is these were uh, actually the design process was begun before the delay due to COVID. Well, you've had this with um, um, the NHL and their reverse retros where they're only going to mm-hmm. do it every other year because it does take from like a design being finalized um, through release about a year and a half to two years for Adidas to get something to production. That is true. You know what? In the end, it does doesn't really matter what the jerseys look like because it don't matter what i'm probably gonna buy three of them so (laughs) there is that for me if i'm being honest with myself yeah not i'm round i don't fit well in a soccer jersey (laughs) did i mention that earlier i believe i did anything else to say about the kits that's all i got on the kits because i haven't seen one yet when the kits come out i uh i'm gonna have a lot of thoughts on their design i think but So, you know, all season long, we have been following MLS, uh, keeping track of everything, and we're getting down to, well, the end. And to give us an update on what happened this week and what we're looking forward to, it's Sean Campbell. All right. Well, before we get into the actual on-pitch action, we do have yet another slow rollout of an MLS end-of-year award. It's official Honey Mukhtar is your MLS Landon Donovan MVP award winner. And I have to say, yes, applause for Honey. Um, but also everyone is so surprised by this, right? He it really was came it from wasn't behind even to win it. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. Like we were talking about it for a little while. Like we have we have talked about it in the past. Like, who do you think's gonna win it? And we were all kind of in in agreement on who was going to, kind of, but at the same time when you and look at the Hany voting Mukhtar. totals. <laughs> Hani Mukhtar far and away ran away with this one. He got uh, 30% of the player vote, 78% of the media vote, and 36% of the quote-unquote club vote. And the next closest player was Sebastian Driussi. And when you do the, I guess, weighted out totals, it was 48% to 17%. It wasn't even close. Ooh. Yeah, no, Drusi was like the second pick, pretty obviously, but mm. that is a drastic difference in voting percentages. Oh, Drusi yeah. had that, even a debate. He was the just favorite for a long time, and then uh, Mukhtar just went crazy in the last third of the season and and won it, running away basically. Oh, he had what? It was something crazy like twenty two goal contributions, that goals and assists in 21 games absolutely ran away with it towards you know for the second two-thirds of the season there um he's the first german-born player to win this this award he's the first player from nashville to win the award and he's also the first player to lead in goal contributions in consecutive seasons since giovinko did it in 15 and 16 so is hani mukhtar's turned into a very special kind of player for this league i i can't wait to see if he can go, be the first to do it in three um, that's about all I've got for that. Uh, so let's go ahead and move to the exciting, exciting, you know, penultimate weekend of MLS playoffs. Uh, we really have a tale of two finals. Don't, don't get mad at me for the bad, the bad, um, <laughs> literature reference, but it really was a tale. I of already two paid Tolstoy's zombie. It was, the, it was the best dead. of finals. It was the worst of finals. 
It really was. Honestly, um, yeah. When it comes down to it, the uh, we'll start out in the West. Um, Austin visiting LAFC. And it, this this one was really one-sided from the start of the game. From the get-go, LAFC kind of ran away with it um, as far as possession goes, as far as, you know, better passing, staying more disciplined, uh, getting more chances. The midfield really controlled the pace of the game for this, for this LAFC side. And I'm just saying I kind of called it because they have Ilya Sanchez anchoring that. But I've already just I've already talked about that enough. Um Austin had a few good chances, but it was very few chances. Um, I think they had a total of like five or six shots, something like that. Um, granted, the refing seemed a bit uh, questionable at moments. Like, there was a VAR decision that uh, I think should have been flipped because of be, be after looking at it. But yeah. uh, you'll you'll just have to go see for yourself. Uh, 70th minute, it it was a soft penalty, but it was still a penalty it should have been called referee didn't call it was called to go look at the screen looked at it for a while and said no no call i'm like that's you know that's pretty clear once you see it on the that's clear and obvious you missed it Hmm. like it wasn't an intentional foul but he went for the tackle he completely missed the ball and cleaved to the player that's that's, that's a, a foul. That's a foul, oh, yeah. and it was in, in the, the box. box. That's a penalty. You know, I can't. Was, I can't believe that didn't get overturned as a penalty. He didn't. He didn't honestly. technically like wipe the. He didn't wipe Fagundes out, but he straight up stepped studs on top of his cleat, and and stepped on his yeah, foot, and and he ended up falling over. It's in the that's box. A foul. Though. It's a foul, and it's in the box. <laughs> exactly. I. Yes, there is a two-step flowchart if something's a penalty or not. Yeah, is it a foul? Is it in the box? One of those. <laughs> it's a foul, and it's in the box. <laughs> it was both. Um, either way, it it should have been overturned. Um, I'm not saying this completely ruined Austin's chances of winning this game, but <laughs> no. at this, I, I think it could have been a momentum turner if they had scored a penalty on that. But you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, the real turning point in this match was Maxi Arudi comes on, and within a minute of coming on as a sub, he knocks the ball into his own net off of a corner, and that's really when all the air came out of Austin, and you could see that they just kind of gave up at that point, because I think it was, what, 2 nothing by then? Yeah, and this is brutal. Um, it's because, like, Austin didn't really have their... It felt like they weren't playing well enough, um, but... This was a heartbreaker. This is a tragic way for your season to end. <laughs> and it wasn't your your Rudy's fault either. No. He wasn't even looking. It just came through, bounced off, clicked off his head, went right in the goal. Uh, if he tried to do it, he wouldn't have done as cleanly or as perfectly placed, to be quite honest. But it always did seem like LAFC always had something to answer Austin. And Austin... Didn't play their best game, whether that was Austin was a little overwhelmed by the circumstances, just didn't had one of those games where they weren't into it, or LAFC was just shutting them down. We don't know, but clearly this was LAFC's game to win, and they did in pretty convincing fashion, actually. Absolutely. Um, although we, I have to give applause to Austin. It was a very, very wonderful run. Glad to be a part of it as 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 an observer from the outside. Um, in consolation, Austin ends up getting a spot in CONCACAF Champions League for their troubles for this great run. So, you know, it's not a total loss. They made it as far as they could, and they got a spot in the better tournament. And as we learned earlier, yeah. they get a little extra gam for that. Just a reminder for all those out there keeping score, that this is this is the uh, 
the pop quiz part. You're supposed to pause before you answer that. <laughs> How much gam? Answer now on your phones. <laughs> um, but yeah, the this is the one and only season I will ever have a second team of the MLS, and it was Austin. And so watching it on Sunday did hurt just a little bit, but it, it's hard to say that the right team didn't win. And with an expansion team here in St. Louis coming in, Man, you can look at what they did in Austin. Those fans have been fantastic. That atmosphere is fabulous. If we can match it, that'd be great. If we can beat it, even better. Yeah. Um, Austin's version of Fleur de Noise Lemurga has an album out on Spotify. It's under half an hour long, but listen to it. It's really, really good. I'm scared for my Spotify rap this year because it might be my most listened to album this year. <laughs> no joke. No joke. It just might be Love Your Volume 1. All right. Well, that's about all I've got to say on the West. So why don't we move over East and find talk about the exciting game? Um, this one between the Union hosting the NYCFC Pigeons. Uh, this one was very much more exciting. It was, bit, it was high flying. It was back and forth. Um, it was a real chess match until it really wasn't, um, I believe, in the Soccer Capital Discord. Don't forget to join that, folks, where you can direct all your hate directly at me and live and in real time. Uh, I did, in fact, say it went from a chess match to a drag race real quick, followed by a Ron Burgundy meme. Um, NYCFC gets us started with the scoring in the 57th minute, and then by the 76th minute, it was already 3-1 Philly. And boy, did that escalate quickly. <laughs> But I do have to say, NYCFC, that first goal was an absolute beauty of a team in transition goal. They just split Philadelphia apart. It was beautiful, beautiful, but it wasn't enough. I, I honestly, yeah, because like that goal was so good and it, it didn't happen super late, but it was just late enough. And it was the type of goal that makes you go... Uh, I guess maybe that might be it. And it was the type of game that makes you go, maybe that's it. The, the one team finally breaks through and it's been so back and forth, so stout. And I'm like, that's this is a real bummer because uh, I don't want NYCFC to repeat. <laughs> yeah, but, I don't want to see another tiny ass banner in a in a baseball stadium. This is not yeah. the night. This is not the MLS of the 90s anymore. We deserve proper banners in a proper stadium. Um. But, but luckily, luckily, Philly responds with three goals in the next 19 minutes. And uh, Ure had a bit of an off night. Bedoya had gotten subbed off at half with a bit of a knock. But uh, th this free kick that got them really rolling in the 65th and, and tied this up. Uh, absolutely gloriously executed. You, you kept uh, Gajdog was intentionally kept offside. And while they were subbing, the NYCFC was keep was subbing Keaton Parks on. They used the confusion of him trying to tell the, the you know, give the, the directions from the coach to take a quick kick. A beautiful run by, I want to say it was Carranza, who looped in behind the defense. And the marker couldn't go with him because he had to respect Gajdog's position. Lays it up perfectly. Glorious finish. And it's tied. Uh, Philadelphia on this one did try to make that free quick free kick quickly but L uh, NYCFC was able to bring on the sub at the time right at the time of the free kick but there's one rule in soccer is don't sub for a set piece and as they're getting settled in their defense the whistle blew 
they took the free kick and NYCFC is just standing still. They weren't prepared. Completely flat-footed. Yeah. And uh, that was basically the end of the game. Oh, yeah. Uh, Philly took that and they didn't look back. Uh, if you want a good explanation of, of what I was talking about earlier, there is um, someone, I can't, I, I believe Larry Henry Jr. actually retweeted it, did a little two-minute breakdown of the whole play. It's it's actually very choice. I highly recommend it. It goes a little bit more in depth than what I said. But uh, almost Friend literally of off the restart, almost literally off the restart from that goal, 67th minute, they get it back. And they go down real quick and score again. And then again in the 76th minute. Um, if Philly had the, had the better 20 minutes, 20 minute span, uh, very exciting game. But Andre Blake, just big game Blake is what I'm going to call him from now on because that is what he became in that game. He NYCFC tried to have a comeback, but he really kept Philly ahead and helped them run away with this game. Good job to the Union. Uh their first uh, not their is it their first time in the in the final both of these uh yeah it's first time in the final for both teams and we'll have a brand new mls champion this year and speaking of the first team finals uh this is the first final this final being between lafc and the union uh lafc will be hosting this is the first final to have both first seed teams reach the final since 2003 and uh, as we go into this, there's a couple of questions to keep in mind going in pregame is a little bit of a breakdown. Um, the first one you need to remember is it, the first important point is who wins the midfield battle. The next one is who whose wingbacks are going to be more involved in the in the forward play. Um, those are going to be the two big battles. Primary battle being the midfield for possession. Uh, possession is going to be very key in this game. Uh, even if you don't win the midfield battle, though, if you can win on the wings decisively and keep the ball in the midfield and don't let the, uh, you know, the team with the possession get wide, widen the field, you can mitigate the danger a lot and really rely on your center backs. And I think if that ends up being the case, I think Philly's got the better center backs and I think Philly can take this one. My money, if I was a betting man would be on LAFC, but my heart says Philly's winning this one and I'm hoping they do. Yeah. You got a prediction on that, Sean. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I said, if Philly doesn't win the midfield, but they can win the wing the wing battle, um, I, they can they can really get it. Like if they win a decisive uh, tackle, uh, Kai Wagner can really explode up that wing and start causing LAFC some real fits. Um, but if, if LAFC gets the first goal, I really see them being able to, to shut this down and just hold the ball in the middle, you know, pass it around and just play a possession game and, and see if Philly can bring it to them and then utilize that opening up of the game to get another one and start laying it on. Um, but my bold prediction for this game, my heart prediction for this game is I think Philly's going to win it three, one. That is bold. I think that the, uh, game changer in this one's going to be Wonga of LAFC, the mid season, uh, signee DP who really came on in the playoffs. He just adds another attacking element, uh, with Chicharongo and Carlos Vela, Sifuentes uh, in the midfield. They've got a lot, and uh, boy, they're as devastating as Philadelphia on the counter when they get out and run as well. Um, but I think it is it is the best final. It is the two best teams in the league on top of their games right now with a lot of talent, well well-coached teams going at it. Going for that first one, this is going to be exciting. I'm really excited for the match. 
I'll make a score prediction. Why not? I, what reputation do I have to ruin? I'm going to go 2-1 LAFC. I definitely think both teams are going to score in this one, but I think LAFC has the edge. Yeah, I think LAFC has joined the Angels in my exception to the rule of hating every team from Los Angeles. <laughs> and because it's a fun team, it really is. And um, is it really an exception yeah, I if think it's I'm, half the teams in LA? I'm talking about like overall, like every other professional sport. Yeah, you're forgetting about the Kings and the Ducks and the Rams and the Chargers. <laughs> yeah. We don't there recognize are, the Rams. <laughs> between the between the five major professional sports, there are ten teams in LA, and I despise eight of them. But LAFC <laughs> yeah. is not one of those. And I think they're gonna win this one. I'm gonna join Mason. They're gonna win two one. Now I said LAFC's got all that power, but one thing to keep in mind in championship games are usually play close to the vest, and Philadelphia is one of the greatest defensive teams we've ever seen in the history of MLS. I am going to go even bolder than Sean. I am going to say the Union win it 1-0. Ooh. Going with a nail-biter and giving Big Game Blake the clean sheet. I like it. I could see it. I could see it. But with an ex- I'm yeah. just saying, with explo- as explosive as both these teams have been on offense this year, I think it's going to be a higher scoring. I don't think, I don't think anyone's getting a clean sheet in this one. Yeah. I don't think this game can really end in a blowout. But anything within the realm of a three win or two goal win one way or the other, I can see anything happening. It would be really funny if Philly won it like six nil. <laughs> like a proper I, you know union what? team does. <laughs> yeah. Larry, if you're listening to this, please tell me you heard my prediction and you you know I'm on your side. <laughs> Notice me, Senpai Larry. <laughs> Chris, you murdered me! The Shempai Kohai relationship. (laughs) You murdered me! Banter. Banter. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh. Oh. Yeah, this is shaping up to be must-watch MLS Cup this year. I think this will be a great game. I'm really excited to watch it unfold. But uh, that final is next week. This week, there was another final. And to give us the information on that, here's Chris Zimmerman. Yes, the National Women's Soccer League had their final this past week. It was the long-running juggernauts the portland thorns versus a team in their first season the casey current uh the nwsl still does their finals in neutral sites so this was held at audi field in washington dc and to follow the trend of quick starts in this these playoffs this year every single game of the playoff tournament this year has had a goal in the first 10 minutes and this one was no different when u.s women's national team star sophia smith put one in in the fourth minute um Casey turned the ball over in their own half and it just led to a real quick two pass breakaway. Um there was a really good through ball to Sophia Smith that a Casey defender did get to but she just missed the tackle on it and Sophia Smith slotted it in. Yeah, I thought this was real funny. So Fot Mob for me said that the game started at 8. Game started at 7. 
And so uh, at the Luligan trailer, they had the game on and I didn't even know the game had kicked off yet. And when I turned around, Portland had already scored. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't want to miss the start times for this league because they score early. Um, then it quieted down a bit. Portland really had the control and they had a, uh, two really good chances in the first half, but neither of them went in. And the second half started off pretty quietly until the 56th minute, which uh, sadly involved Kansas City giving up an own goal where uh, Yasmin Ryan crossed the ball into the box and then uh, Kansas City goalie A.D. Franch and then goalie Allison Merrick got to it at the same time and it just pinballed in. It went off of Franch, who would have controlled the rebound, but Merrick was right there, bounced off her, pinballed in. And that was an own goal on Merrick. And then that was really just about the end of the action for the game. Portland just controlled the rest of the half, put an extra two or three shots on frame, but none of them were too threatening. But it doesn't matter because at the very end of the game, Portland won their third championship 2-0 over the Casey Current. The yeah. one downer was Sophia Smith had to go off late with a, a knock. Um so it wasn't there at the end, but uh, otherwise, yeah, they just dominated. And the question I have about this match is, why in the hell did they play this at a neutral site? Portland would have been fabulous. Kansas City would have been going nuts. How great it would have been for Kansas City to have this at home um, yeah. in their first season. Pick one of the two. But in a rough season I mean, for the NWSL, what a great send-off for the, for the season. If I had to guess why, it would have to be that even the NWSL owners don't have much faith in women's sports, which is uh, bullshit. (laughs) Well, you know, I will say for a neutral site game, it was still pretty well attended. It was um, 17,600, which is not awful, but it is still the least well attended game of the whole playoffs. Yeah, which is really saying yeah. something because a, a lot of those games that we had talked about recently were putting were rivaling on attendance for MLS playoffs, if not passing most of said playoff mm-hmm. games. So that's yeah. that's a little bit surprising to me. Well, because you've got a t- you've got a team from the West Coast and a team from the Midwest having to travel all the way to DC. That's not an yeah. easy trip to make. And Audi Field only holds 20,000 people, so even if they did completely sell out the whole stadium, it would have been the least well-attended game of the whole playoffs. Uh, <laughs> it's even worse. <laughs> yeah. that uh, You sell out a, a final, and it's somehow less attended than any other game of that playoff. Yeah. I I would hope that the NWSL kind of goes to the MLS system of just hosting it at a at um, one of the finalist sites. Yeah, based on seating or something, yeah. Yeah, based on seating. But for a, uh, you know, for a neutral site game, not a bad intense figure, uh, which is good for the league. Yeah, it does feel like the playoffs have been a tipping point for the NWSL with the attendances breaking records left and right. So after Mm -hmm. such a terrible season, maybe there's a reaction to that, uh, people rallying around. And when they did that, they got to see some pretty impressive soccer being played. Yeah. Yeah. There is, as of right now, no expansion teams named for next season. At this point, it's too late for there to be any new teams next season. 
but I would not be surprised the league doesn't add two, three, maybe even four teams for 2024. Because I think a lot of owners are looking at these numbers. We we can only hope. Uh, But speaking of St. Louis and women's soccer, to uh, kind of follow up on what we've been saying the past few weeks, the SLU women's team continued their run. We're recording this Tuesday night, so they will be on Wednesday evening playing St. Joseph in the Atlantic Tim Conference semifinals. Um, And assuming they win that game, which is they beat uh, St. Joseph for nothing on senior day, so I hate to jinx ourselves, but I'd hope so, then the women's finals will be played Sunday at noon at Herman Stadium. So, you know, take a quick look. And if you would like to to support the Lady Billikens, noon on Sunday, go there. And the we've been talking about the women's team for college soccer here, but there are two men's teams in the area that also deserve some congratulations. The other one being the SLU men's team because they won the Atlantic 10 regular season title. So their first conference tournament game will be Friday at 7 o'clock at Herman Stadium versus the University of Massachusetts. And because they won the regular season, no matter what, if um, they continue winning, all three games of the Atlantic 10 tournament will be played at Herman Stadium. And then not a slew, not a slew team, but in their first year of Division One sports, the Lindenwood men's team are in the Ohio Valley Conference Finals. And they will be playing Tennessee Tech in Tennessee at 4 p.m. on Friday. That's cool. I did not know that Lindenwood got promoted to D1. Yeah, this is their first uh, year in Division One. I. I think maybe a team or two of theirs played before, but they went straight from Division Three to Division One. And the men's soccer team is already in the conference finals, which is imagine just awesome. imagine if if the tournament happens when we get to the 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 actual like tournament tournament, and they have and Lindenwood has to play SLU, but the game is not even remotely close to St. Louis or the St. Louis Metro. <laughs> they have to play in like Ohio or something because of how the tournament uh, worked out. I'd be so mad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going back to Ohio. <laughs> oh, Ohio doesn't exist anyway, okay? So yeah. it's <laughs> but this is a very exciting weekend for uh college soccer in St. Louis. Yeah, clearly. So if you are sitting around uh Friday or Sunday, don't really have anything to do, there's something to do. If you want to. Yeah, apparently Herman is gonna be a hot spot, so <laughs> all right. Good stuff. Anything else anybody has to say on this week's episode, or shall we wrap this up? I think we have gone on more than long enough. Okay. I agree. And uh, I'm your host, Mike Turner. I'm your producer, Mason. I'm your resident cave-dwelling hooligan, Sean. And I am the 2022 St. Luligan's biggest wanker winner, Chris Zimmerman. And we are the Soccer Capital Podcast. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Bye for now.